I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. Welcome back to RIP Diets. This is season four, baby. I am currently recording this from my sofa. I am home sick with COVID and it sucks, but I'm okay. Um, Just have had to isolate for the past five days. And God, I, I mean, I thought I would be better at it by now, but still not great at it. I'm so bored. I have a scratchy throat, but thank God I'm I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay, guys. I'm just on the edge of my sanity. <laughs> so anyway, I decided to bust out my microphone and record a show so that I'll feel less alone because I have all of you guys. And I am going to start it off with some food news. This is a segment where I tell you relevant food news that you simply need to know. And this one is quite exciting, at least to me, because these are two of my favorite treats that are having a baby. Mazel Tov! Ritz crackers and Oreo cookies unveil new Ritz X Oreo treat. Oh my God, you guys. Snack brands Ritz Crackers and Oreo Cookies are teaming up for the release of new Ritz X Oreo, a first-of-its-kind sweet and savory product mashup that's one part Ritz Cracker and one part Oreo Cookie. Are you fucking kidding me? You need to look this up right now so you can see a photo of it, but essentially it is a Ritz Cracker with the peanut butter filling, a la, you know, peanut butter Ritz Crackers, then a thin layer of Oreo cream, and then on the other side, it's an Oreo. So it's kind of like a Ritz Oreo club sandwich of sorts. It looks actually pretty fire. I wonder if they have this at Key Food. Wow, what is getting me about these is that they are so cute. This would be such a fun, quirky thing to bring to a barbecue if you don't wanna bring booze or if you don't drink or what have you. If you're lazy, I... I'm definitely going to bring this to a barbecue. I feel like what a pleasant surprise. You have a Ritz, you have an Oreo, you mash it together. You have the perfect sweet, savory treat. I am in love. If you're like me, you are already dipping your Oreos in peanut butter anyway. So this is essentially like dipping your Oreos in peanut butter, but then also having a little salty. I feel like I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but this is a collab that I am so psyched for. Everybody check your local key food, check your local uh, Publix. I don't know where you guys live, um, but go see if your local grocery store has the Ritz Oreo collab because, wow, it's just a beautiful marriage. And now moving on to my favorite segment, I have a bone to pick. If you have a bone to pick related to diet culture and you would like me to share it on the show, please submit it to rapdiets at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram. My handle is lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. I also put these out as videos. So if you go to the video and you put a comment underneath, let me know your bones to pick. That's a really easy way for me to see them. Today... I have a bone to pick, and it's with intermittent fasting. This one was sent in by an RIP Diets listener, and I could not agree more. Intermittent fasting, uh, for anyone who doesn't know what it is, 
It is a very trendy diet, although it will have you think that it's not a diet, in which you only eat for a specified amount of hours in the day. Usually that is eight hours, followed by a fast, usually of 16 hours. And you can do it at any time during the day, and you're not limited to what you can eat. You are only limited to when you can eat. I'm pretty sure I tried this back in the day, but back then I used to just call it skipping meals. Um, (laughs) This is my issue with intermittent fasting. If you only have eight hours in a day to eat, there's no way that you could comfortably eat the same amount as you could in, let's say, 14 hours or however many hours you would normally be up and eating if you were eating intuitively. People also think that intermittent fasting will boost your metabolism, it will help with your heart and blood pressure, and I've even heard it said that it makes you live longer. We don't know the validity of any of this. Fun fact, there are no studies on the long-term effects of intermittent fasting in humans. And I'm only saying that because I told a friend that there have been no long-term studies on the effects of intermittent fasting, and he said, Actually, there have been many studies done on rats. Do I look like a rat to you? Do I look like a rat? No, it's a serious question. Do I? Because studies that have been done on rats have little to no relevance when it comes to humans. I really have no interest in whether a rat can eat once a day and be more productive. That's not going to make me more productive because I am simply not a rat. Um... Also, I did a little more research and I found that the few studies that have been done on humans have actually are primarily done on men, if not exclusively done on men. And men and women have very different bodies. Women have different hormonal changes, obviously, throughout the month and therefore have different needs when it comes to fueling our body uh, at different points during this hormonal cycle. But, you know, disregarding all of that, I don't think that policing yourself on when you can eat is any better than policing what you can eat. I think that is just another form of restriction. And restriction will eventually lead to binging. We know this. And that can lead to yo-yo weight loss and weight gain, which is not very good for you. Yo-yo dieting puts a lot of stress on your body. And we simply do not know the long-term effects of intermittent fasting. We don't know if it will make us live longer, will make our bones stronger. I don't know what garbage these people are spewing. All I know is that there are no long-term studies. And for that reason, I'm out. I just don't think it's necessary. All of this being said, please keep in mind that if somebody has been instructed to go on intermittent fasting for diabetes or, you know, an insulin resistance problem or a blood sugar problem. I have been told by some people that there is some validity to that, although I question that as well. I'm not talking about that. I am simply talking about regular people who decide to start intermittent fasting because they think that it will improve their brain function and their bodily functions. And I just do not see any proof on any corner of the internet that would lead me to agree with that. And I know that a lot of people are not going to agree with me, but I would just urge you to think about 
let's say you tried intermittent fasting and you were really good at sticking to it and you didn't find a problem with only eating eight hours in the day, you were doing totally fine. Now, let's say something comes up. You're going to someone's wedding, for example, and the ceremony starts at seven and your window is over at seven. So you can't eat for the entire time that you're at this wedding, not during cocktail hour, not during dinner, not any wedding cake. Um, I guess you can't even hit the open bar, right? Because alcohol is included in intermittent fasting. So naturally, and through no fault of yours, honestly, you will probably end up breaking it. Then after the wedding, the next day when you wake up all hungover and with minimized brain function, (laughs) not because of breaking your fast, but because of the amount of alcohol you drank, you will probably feel like a failure. And this will probably throw you completely off track, make you feel terrible and beat yourself up about it and then feel the need to be even more strict or you'll go in the opposite direction and end up breaking all your quote rules because you've already fucked it up. So why don't we just fuck it up even more? That's what I would have done. And that's what I did used to do when I would fail a diet or when a diet would fail me rather. I would just go crazy and say, fuck it. I'm a failure. I'm going to eat everything in the house. And then diet starts tomorrow. That is the last supper mentality that we want to avoid. And how do you avoid it? Don't go on any restrictive diet. Is intermittent fasting a restrictive diet? By my definition, I believe it absolutely is. Everybody has a right to do with their body what they want and to believe what they want. But I personally think if you're restricting the time of day that you can eat, that is inherently restrictive. And that's my bone to pick today. All righty, let's get into the meat. So for today's episode, I thought it might be interesting for me to watch a movie that I loved when I was little. Um, and when I say little, I, I mean probably around 12, maybe 14 um, was the first time that I saw this movie. And that movie is Bridget Jones' Diary. Probably most of you have seen this movie. I can't imagine why anybody would not have seen this movie. It was one of the biggest romantic comedies, I would say, of the early aughts. And there have been two sequels. There's Bridget Jones 2, The Edge of Reason. And then there's Bridget Jones's Baby, which I've actually never seen. And I didn't hear that it was particularly good. But I noticed so much when watching this back. Um that I don't really remember picking up on as a younger person, but I think I internalized a lot of stuff that was in this movie. Um, So just to give you a breakdown in case you haven't seen it, in the beginning of the movie, right away, we're introduced to Bridget Jones. She is played by Renee Zellweger. She's 32 and single, and everybody's rubbing it in her face the whole movie as if She's some spinster. Everyone in her life gives her shit for it. Her mom gives her shit for it. Her friends are constantly rubbing it in um, a little more delicately, I will say. But she feels really bad about herself. I think that's fair to say that um, Bridget has very low self-esteem in this movie. I suddenly realized that unless something changed soon, I was going to live a life where my major relationship was with a bottle of wine. And I'd finally die fat and alone and be found three weeks later, half-eaten by wild dogs. Or I was about to turn into Glenn Close and Fatal Attraction. 
works in publishing, but you can tell she kind of keeps her head down most of the time. She portrays herself as kind of an oaf, kind of clumsy, says the wrong thing, not a great public speaker, not the most graceful woman you've ever seen on the screen. And she's bullied a lot for being chubby, which objectively, I'm just, I'm telling you right now, she's not She's really not fat in the movie. Um, Even if she was, of course, that would not warrant anybody saying anything about her weight. But I did not pick up on this as a kid. She actually states in the movie that she weighs 136 pounds. And she writes this down in her journal over New Year's. And she says the goal for the new year is to lose 20 pounds. So that means she wants to be 116 pounds. And first off, I'm going to just take a moment and apologize to anybody who is triggered by weight numbers. This is just strictly to set up an argument that I have um, with this movie. I was curious how much weight Renee Zellweger had to gain to play the role of Bridget Jones. Because I remember headlines back in 2001 when this movie came out about Renee Zellweger looking so unlike herself and having to gain so much weight so quickly. So I I just wanted to look up those numbers for science. Um, And I learned that she gained about 25 pounds to play Bridget Jones. Now, Renee Zellweger, very thin actress. I, I don't know what she normally weighs or what she weighed at the time, but if we're going by the weight numbers in the movie, which I would think are probably about accurate, maybe they threw on a few pounds for dramatic effect, I don't know, maybe they changed 133 to 136, I have no idea, but if we're doing the math, Renee Zellweger put on about 25 pounds to play Bridget Jones. In the movie, she says she wants to lose 20 pounds. Therefore, if we're doing math, then the ideal weight for a woman, according to the filmmakers of the early aughts, is Renee Zellweger in 2001. Um, Renee Zellweger had to be a size zero. She was non-existent. And that's not a slight against her. She's a beautiful woman. I think we can all agree on that. But... She is much, much thinner than the average woman. And I would say even in this movie, her character is still smaller than the majority of adult women. And what that implies for anybody watching it is that if you're 136 pounds or over, you need to drastically change your diet. You need to set a New Year's resolution. You need to get on that fucking exercise bike. What are you doing, girl? You need to lose 20 pounds stat. I really, really don't like the way that this was shown in the movie. It doesn't seem like in the movie she ever came to any kind of acceptance when it comes to her body. I would have been more okay with this story arc if she reached some kind of resolution in the end having to do with, you know, I don't need to change myself or I'm actually at a healthy weight or, you know, there are so many angles they could have taken with this character and with her coming to some kind of 
self-acceptance in the end. But instead, the film focuses way more on Bridget's love life and her feeling fulfilled through finding a partner. There are two men in the movie that she has some dealings with. Daniel Cleaver is played by Hugh Grant, a very young, rugged, handsome Hugh Grant. And he plays her boss and he is an absolute scumbag. She starts up an office flirtation with Daniel when he sends her an unsolicited email about her skirt being very short. And this kind of starts up this little office flirtation and then they end up having sex and she is kind of obsessed with him, I would say. She ends up leaving her job because she realizes that he's never going to be in a relationship with her. He starts up something with somebody else. She actually, at one point in the movie, walks in on Daniel with another woman. And it turns out he is with this woman. And this woman says to Daniel right in front of Bridget, I thought you said she was thin. Implying, oh, I I can't believe you had sex with this monster. I thought you said she was a thin woman. Disgusting and horrifying. And honestly, like even if someone's evil, I can't see them ever saying that in real life in front of somebody as if they're not even in the same room with them. But I do think they were trying to villainize her in that moment and show that, you know, this is not a very nice woman that he ended up with. But I think it's it, it presents a bigger problem in the, than that. And I, I'll get into that. But then we have Mark Darcy. Mark Darcy is a family friend of Bridget's mom. And he and Bridget do not get along at first, but he grows very fond of Bridget after running into her at a few events and just seeing her around and having conversations with her. I think that at first he finds her a little scary because she's not so graceful. She's a smoker. She's a drinker. She's, uh, you know, kind of a mess. That's how she's portrayed in the movie. But he eventually is charmed by her. And there is a very memorable scene in which Mark Darcy says to her, despite appearances, and by the way, this is a direct quote, despite appearances, I like you just as you are. Perhaps despite appearances, I like you very much. Uh, Apart from the smoking and the drinking and the vulgar mother, And the verbal diary. No, I like you very much. Just as you are. And the emphasis is the just as you are. As if to say, you don't need to lose any weight for me. You don't need to stop smoking. I like you just the way you are. She goes and tells her friends about this. And her friends are shocked. And let me tell you something. If I ever went up to my friends and said, oh my God, I met this adorable guy. He said he likes me just the way I am. And they acted this shocked. Those would not be my friends anymore. I take my word for it. If this ever happens to me, I would rather be friendless than for my friends to think I'm such a fucking loser that somebody wouldn't want to be with me without me changing for them. I I mean, this was just bananas. One of her friends even says directly to her, just as you are, not thinner, not cleverer, not with bigger breasts or a slightly smaller nose. I mean, I feel two ways about this because while I do think it is truly a gift to find somebody who loves you just the way you are, and that's totally something that we should be aspiring to, and I think it's romantic in a sense, you know, 
I do think that it just uh, reemphasizes a theme throughout the movie about the male gaze and about that being the reason to live and the reason to be. And I just don't fucking agree with it. I really don't like it. I I know that this is supposed to be a rom-com. It's supposed to be, you know, about this offbeat character, this underdog, and you're rooting for her. And maybe you relate to her because maybe you feel a little chubby or you feel like a mess, but you still want to find love and you still want to find somebody who loves you just the way you are. And I do understand that sentiment. And that's why I always love this movie because I totally share in that sentiment But at no point in the movie is there any kind of moment where somebody says to her, you fucking rock. You're fucking hot. You deserve so much more. Her friends do advise her not to get involved with her boss. And, you know, that is portrayed as a big mistake. But it seems like her friends want her to avoid the boss because he's a scumbag. But not really because she inherently deserves more. So the movie goes back and forth between showing uh, what happens to Bridget with these two men and also narration from Bridget out of her diary. So we are essentially reading her diary as she writes it. And she writes in her diary that her fear is she will die fat and alone. I wanted to focus on that just for a moment because I find that these words get grouped together way too often, fat and miserable, fat and alone, fat and stupid, fat and lazy. There are so many negative connotations to the word fat that we've forgotten that it's just a descriptor word. And I'm really happy that there are people now that are spreading awareness about that and kind of taking that word back. I personally have trouble calling people fat unless I know that they identify that way. But I still don't appreciate when the word fat is grouped in with loneliness or laziness or any of those other things I just said. And I feel like it happens way too often. She thinks she's going to die fat and alone. That's her greatest fear. Why is that so scary? And I want to you know, dissect this because I've been thinking about it a lot since I rewatched the movie. I I understand the fear of dying alone. I do. Obviously, I know that people have life goals. I know that people want to start families. They want to find a partner that is right for them. They want to have companionship. And again, I relate to that and I feel all the same emotions. However, To lump fat in with that is to put a, no pun, heaviness on the word that is not actually there. If somebody said to you, my biggest fear is that I'm going to die fat, wouldn't that be the most ridiculous statement you could possibly hear? I'm going to die fat. Who cares? You're fucking dying. That's the one point that I will actually not give a fuck what my body looks like. I'm on my way out. If you say, my biggest fear is I'm going to die fat and alone, that to me evokes you fusing to the couch, eating potato chips, nobody's called you in seven days. That image, I think, plagued me for so long that I was going to die fat and alone. And only in my adulthood 
After many years of fighting my internalized fat phobia, do I realize that my fear was being lonely and rejected? It was not really being fat. But because of the way that we see fat people, that we portray fat people, because of the rampant fat phobia that plagues our society, we do lump these things in together. We do attribute loneliness to fat people who we don't even know are lonely. There are so many fat people out there who are living their best lives. And do you want to know why? Do you want to know why they're living their best lives? Because they're not constantly trying to change themselves. These fat people that we see and think, oh, they must be lonely. Oh, they must be sad. Oh, they must have no self-control. They must be miserable. Some of those people are the most confident people. And they don't feel like they need to change themselves. And I've said this before, I'm pretty sure, but I'm going to keep saying it because this is what I always go back to is you could have everything you want in terms of your appearance, how you look, your body composition, but you could feel really ugly on the inside and that's not going to do you any good. I don't actually like it when people say that you can't love someone until you love yourself because I do think loving yourself is your life's work and I think it takes a lot more to love yourself than to love somebody else. I can love other people. I love so many people in my life unconditionally and I would put their needs ahead of my own and there are I'm saying so many people, like it's so many people. Now, there may, may be like five people that I care about them so, so deeply. And I cared about them and loved them with my whole heart, even when I didn't love myself. So I, I don't actually think that is true. But I do think that the way you feel about yourself is more important than the way other people feel about you. And that is kind of my life's work in a way. I want to value my opinion of myself more than I value other people's opinions of me. And that's something that I'm working on every day. And I encourage you guys to work on that as well. And I would like to think that if you truly love and accept yourself and you enjoy your own company, you will never really die alone because you will have that sense of self that so many people are lacking and At the end of the day, aesthetics don't really matter as long as you have that inner confidence and that light within yourself. And uh, sorry to get all woo-woo for a second there. (laughs) I kind of forgot who I was, but you see my point. I just think the way that they represent Bridget in this movie is not empowering. It's really not. She puts her entire happiness in these goals, aesthetic goals primarily, and the goal of getting married. And she sees being 32 and unmarried as this big failure. And everybody co-signs that in the movie. And I just think there was definitely an opportunity here to do something else with it. And it kind of reminds me of the movie that uh, Amy Schumer made a few years ago called I Feel Pretty. I think they did a really good job in that movie of showing that aesthetics can only take you as far as you will let them. And if you wake up tomorrow and you decide to love yourself and you decide to be confident in the body that you have, then other people will start to have confidence in you as well. And that's not to say that everybody will, but I think that you would be shocked the effect that inner confidence has on other people. So I I feel like now I'm getting a little scattered, but to sum up, 
while I do think your inner confidence is the most important thing, I do also think that building true inner confidence will radiate and will have an effect on other people and will ingratiate other people to you as well. So uh, that's my little recap of the movie. Uh, guys, please watch the movie and slide in my DMs and tell me what you think about it. I, I knew it was going to be bad. I for sure knew it was going to be bad, but I didn't know it was going to be so fucking depressing. Like she ends up with a hot guy at the end. Why do I feel so bad after watching this movie? I just don't make a Bridget Jones four. If anybody in Hollywood is listening to this podcast, please, God, don't make a Bridget Jones four. And that is all for today, you guys. I will be back in the next episode to talk about more food news, bones to pick, film analysis, snark, just everything that you can expect from this podcast. And I appreciate all of you so, so much. Just one last thought, I am looking to answer advice questions again, so please email your advice questions to ripdiets at gmail.com. I will definitely keep everybody anonymous unless you give me clearance. I just really want to hear from you guys. I want to make sure that this stays very interactive and that I can learn more about your journey because you certainly know a hell of a lot about mine. So until then, peace, love, and RIP diets. (laughs) 